Moving on to uh, the analysis of the ICJ hearings on the legality of Israel's occupation of Palestine. Well, in a historic move, the International Court of Justice is conducting hearings on Israel's occupation of Palestinian territories. Now, this is dating back to the occupation of 1967. In reference, if I may put it in context, the six-day war of 1967, where uh, the then state of Israel, well, I would say more than doubled its Landmass by way of occupation by claiming the West Bank, Gaza, and the Sinai at that point in time. That, of course, was from Egypt and the Golan of the Jolan Heights. And this was from Syria. Uh, the Palestinian delegation urged for an immediate end to the occupation, uh, setting the stage for significant legal, uh, significant legal showdown. Now, throughout the proceedings, 52 countries and three organizations will weigh on the legal ramifications of Israel's control over the West Bank, Gaza and East Jerusalem. Thus, these hearings un, you know, unfold amidst Israel's ongoing conflict with Gaza, adding urgency to the pursuit of justice and a resolution. Uh, to delve deeper into today's ICJ hearings, joining us now is Dr. Attila Kisla, International Justice Cluster Lead at the Southern Africa Litigation Center, the SALC. Dr. Attila, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Good evening. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for uh, for your time, Dr. Attila. Do- Dr. Attila, tell us, uh, clarity, can you clarify for us the distinctions between these hearings, the hearings of the legality of the occupation of Israel uh, in these particular you know, geographical areas, as opposed to the recent South African case brought to the ICJ? H- how would they be different? Yeah, of course. Um, so the the case that South Africa brought against Israel that we saw a few weeks ago, um, that is a case that was brought uh, by by a state by South Africa. Uh, what we uh, saw today, the, the hearings that started today and that we will see throughout the entire week, are hearings with respect to an advisory opinion. Uh, in advi- this advisory opinion it was not requested by a state, it was requested by the UN General Assembly. Uh, and that was by the Assembly Resolution in December 2022. Um, what's the key difference to the proceedings that South Africa brought is that um, the advisory opinion on paper is not binding, uh, unlike the, 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 the decisions that were made in the South Africa-Israel case, which are binding, uh, as we saw, the provisional measures, for instance, are binding on South Africa and Israel. So that's a key distinction between uh, these two proceedings. And of course, uh, the South African case is limited to potential violations of the Genocide Convention. This case, like you said already, it has a much wider time range. And also it looks at a um, a, a number of key rights and uh, prohibitions under international law. Uh, Dr. Attila, 52 countries and three international bodies participating. Does it really bear significance where you have a, a, a such a large number of countries participating? Or is this considered on the, you know, the, the text itself? Uh, the, the fact that you have quite a number of, uh, uh, of, of those who are joining this particular case against Israel, will this have any bearing on the court? 
I think the the number, as you mentioned, like 52 countries, they are filing, have filed submissions. Uh, that shows how, how important this case is. And uh, despite the fact that uh, on paper the, the advisory opinion might not be binding upon uh, states, uh, it shows how um, how the potential impact that the advisory opinion can have on on uh, on the international community and especially uh, Israel and states uh, are supporting Israel. Uh, I mean, we have seen, for instance, uh, um, in the provisional after the provisional measures last week, for instance, a court there was a, a country in a country the, the Netherlands. Uh, the court um, 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 decided um, that, for instance, um, the provisional uh, measures have an impact on the domestic uh, export of, uh, sorry, on the export of, for instance, um, uh, fighter jet parts to Israel, from the Netherlands to Israel. And uh, you can see, even though Netherlands was not party to the proceedings, uh, it had an impact. And I believe the advisory opinion has a, a even bigger potential to have an impact on the international community, uh, and especially states that are engaged in, in this uh, conflict situation. But on the, uh, beyond the states of the international community, also it has relevance for all UN organs, and especially the UN organ that has requested the um, advisory opinion, the UN General Assembly, but also the International Criminal Court. And as the assessment uh, of like which legal paradigm might apply in this situation will be relevant for their investigations and potential prosecutions, for instance, uh, with respect to war crimes. Hmm. You know, we've also noticed that China, the U.S. and Russia are expected to make submissions uh, in this particular case. Uh, the respective policies, I mean, will that now reflect in the submissions that they are going to make? Do you expect that countries along the historical stance or the historical stance that they've already adopted towards the conflict, well, their submissions will be reflective of that? Uh, we will have to see throughout the week how, how the submissions by China, for instance, the US or Russia, the P5 members of the UN Security Council will pan out. But um, knowing from experience, I, I have my doubts that they will deviate much from the uh, past um, submissions and uh, standpoints. Hmm. Finally, um, Dr. Attila, what implications could this opinion have for future legal actions and the application of international law regarding Israel's conduct in, in Palestine? I mean, much of the UN and in fact many countries in the world submit and understand the fact that the occupation of these territories are in fact illegal uh, you know, at the, at the very onset. I think we have probably have passed that particular uh, you know, ruling. But, but this one comes up in the ICJ? Should the applicant, of course, be successful? How do you see future implications if not in a, in a position to be, to be enforced? Firstly, I believe that um, the advisory opinion has the potential to also unlock more sincere negotiations over, over the issue of the territorial boundaries. Uh, secondly, I believe, like I said, it will have uh, uh, it can shape public opinion and also the, the standpoint of uh, certain states that, for instance, uh, have supported uh, Israel um, throughout the occupation and annexation. 
throughout the uh, year. So I think in that regard, like I mentioned in the in the example of the Netherlands, mm. even uh, even though this this advisory opinion might not be uh, binding uh, on paper, um, it can still have like. Uh, uh, a developing impact uh, with respect to certain states and uh, state conduct. So I believe um, uh, maybe even more than the uh, South African ICJ case, uh, the advisory opinion will um, has the potential to constitute a landmark decision. Hmm. Dr. Attila Kisler, uh, thank you for joining us uh, this evening and updating us on the latest ICJ uh, hearing uh, you know, on the legality of Israel's occupation of Palestine. Thank you for your time, Dr. Attila. Thanks so much for having me. Well, this is now the latest case against the state of Israel uh, to be heard at the ICJ. The last one, of course, was South Africa's one um, accusing or the applicant, in this case, South Africa, accusing the state of Israel of genocide, outright genocide against the Palestinian people. And here to challenge uh, the, the legality of Israel's occupation of Palestine.